Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. But let's get into the Word. If you've just joined us, we, uh, we're doing a series at the moment called Abide. And um, it's uh, really all about bringing us back to the power and the beauty of God's Word. And, and so we've been looking at God's Word from different l- angles and different lenses over the last couple of weeks. I'm actually stepping in for Knox Glamini this morning. Unfortunately, the, the Glams uh, couldn't... Couldn't make it this morning. They have a family funeral. So if you wouldn't mind just remembering them in prayer and in love as they're going through quite a difficult time as a family. But um, yeah, so I'll be step- I'm stepping in for Knox Lamini this morning. And uh, I have a tough act to follow because last week the Pauls were up here doing a duo and handing out cake to people, you know. And, uh, and I don't have any cake this morning. <laughs> So uh, we just, I'm just going to trust that we're going uh, to focus on feeding the spirit and not the flesh this morning. Amen? <laughs> this morning we are looking at the word sets us free. That's our topic for today. The word sets us free. Can you look at somebody and say the word sets us free? Amen. Have you noticed... Uh, in, in, that in some movies, like these, some cool movies, like really good ones, there's sometimes a phrase or a line that is sticky. Like the actors will say it and it like jumps out of the movie and it becomes part of our language. And you find people just using it in their everyday lives because these like famous lines from movies. You know, I'm thinking of like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator. I'll be, there we go, all right, if you're Zulu, Gizubuye, <laughs> all right, so, so I'll be back. I'm also thinking of, um, of that famous line from, from a movie where it says, go ahead, make my day. Does anybody know that one? Go ahead, make my day. Maybe the older people, who's that? Clint Eastwood, yeah, come on. Okay, the oldies know it. The youngies are like, huh, who, where? Anyway, so Clint Eastwood. Now, the passage of Scripture that we're going to go and look at today is, um, is, a, is, a, is an awesome passage, and it's Jesus, and he's having this dialogue with some of the people who believe in him, and he's, and he's even got some of his haters there, and there's quite a fiery exchange taking place. In fact, the Gospel of John, when you look at the Gospel of John, one thing you do notice about the Gospel of John is there's confrontation. Jesus seems to always be confronting these haters, all right, these unbelievers, these Pharisees that are against him and against God. And so there's this fiery exchange taking place, and it's so fiery this time that it actually later in chapter 8, Jesus almost gets killed prematurely because of this fiery exchange that takes place. And in the middle of this discourse, Jesus says something quite sticky. He says this, he says, and you will know the truth. And, ah, you've heard it, all right? You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And like, you know, those Terminator movies, that line from that page in that gospel has jumped and leapt out of the Bible and found its way into our modern world and into pop psychology and into, you know, like it's kind of like regarded as a, as a modern day proverb that truth sets us free. It's, it liberates. It's just, it's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, you'll speak to most people today and they'll be like, truth sets us free. Yeah, truth liberates. Yeah, we must know the truth. The truth sets you free, bro. You know, it's like it's, it's found its way even onto street language. But Jesus never said the truth sets us free. He never said truth sets us free. And he never said your truth sets you free. And he never said our truth sets us free. He said the truth will set you free. And so there's a big difference. What Jesus was saying was actually, if a lot of people really consider what he's saying today, what he actually said was something highly offensive and something that most people would completely disagree with in the times we're living in. Why? Because the age we're living in right now, truth is relative. It's subjective. You've got your truth, you've got your truth, I got my truth, we all got a truth. Just as long as you find your truth, the truth sets you free, bro. You know, there's this relativistic, subjective understanding of truth, but according to Jesus, it's not a subjective, relative understanding of truth that will set you free. It is an objective truth. It is a one truth, it is the truth that will set you free. And in so doing, he drew a line in the sand and he said, there is a world of truth and there's a world of lies. Not something our generation really likes to think about today. Not something that our generation really likes to accept, to think that, hey, maybe I'm believing a lie at the end of the day. How can you say that? And you know, maybe, just maybe, that's why we live in a time of unprecedented bondage. I mean, if you just think about the fears, the insecurities, the addictions, the phobias, the dysfunction of our generation from littlies even to oldies. Just think about the dysfunction of humanity that you see in movies and you see on social media and you even see in your suburbs and your neighborhoods and think about all the bondage that exists in these micro addictions and phobias and insecurities and relational dysfunction and all this stuff going on and maybe, just maybe, could it be? Because we lack objective truth the truth. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. You know the truth and it will set you free. And so for us today, these are very, very important words because you, me, all of us in this room, we all came in here with some form of bondage today. Whether we know it and feel it or whether we don't even know it and don't even feel it in our lives, we're bound in some sort of way. And what we're learning this morning is that there is a way out. <laughs> that He has made a way for us. But the way might not be what you thought it would be. Maybe you thought it would just happen in this way or that way or that way. What He's telling us the way it's going to happen when you know what? the truth. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so these are important words for all of us today. You might be sitting here today and you think, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm happy, I'm whatever. But these are important words. Sometimes we don't even realize the challenges and the bondages that we're in, the slavery that we're in sometimes. And so as we get into the word this morning, my hope, my hope is that all of us 
are going to have a heart here that says, I'm willing to accept the truth. I'm willing to, no matter how hard it might be, no matter how it might challenge me, no matter how it may make me feel even uncomfortable, I'm willing to accept the truth because I know at the end of the day, if I know that truth, that's the truth that will set you free. So we're going to go to John chapter 8, but before we read the passage, let's just pray. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good, but that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. And so we treasure your word more than our daily bread. And we boldly confess this morning that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. John 8, verse 31, and we'll read to verse 36. It says the following. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then they answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants, and we've never been in bondage to anyone. That's a lie. How can you say we shall be made free? And Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? Free indeed. Isn't that good? Don't we want that free indeed? Don't we want to be free indeed? Do you want to be free indeed? Say, I want to be free indeed. I want to be free indeed. Indeed, if the Son makes us free. Not pop psychology, not finding some like truth or some great emotion or feeling or happy thought. If the Son sets you free. You will be free indeed. There is a freedom that's promised in Scripture that is unattainable anywhere else, people. I want you to know because I've been there and I tried everything before I became a Christian. I was looking for truth. I was looking for freedom. I was looking for life, the meaning and everything. And I can tell you now, it's found right there. When you find the sun, the sun sets you free and you are free indeed. The focus of our attention is on that phrase, the truth shall make you free. But there's a little road to get there. So let's take our road, all right? It starts there by saying, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Can we just say those words together? If you abide in my word, you are disciples indeed. And you know what? It's worth unpacking that word abide this morning, because it is really the title of this entire series, okay? But there's an if, all right? In Scripture, there's always an if, which means you do have a role to play, okay? <laughs> if you abide in my word. This word abide is a beautiful word. It means simply, in its simple definition, to remain in, if you remain in my word. But when you look at it actually and how Jesus uses this word elsewhere in the Gospel of John, what we notice is there's actually two dimensions to it, all right? So if you look at John 15, I've got three verses I want to just share with you. Just try and see if you can notice the two dimensions. It's abide in me, in verse 4, he says, abide in me and... All right, I'll read the first part. You read the second part. Abide in me and? Abide in me. He who abides in me? Abides in 
bears much fruit. If you abide in me, can you see the, the two dimensions? There's an and over there. Typically, we, we've done this wrong. What we've only looked at when, with this uh, word abide is we've looked at the first dimension of it. What is the first dimension? The first dimension is me in the word, me coming to the word. And what does that involve? Well, that involves listening to the word. It involves doing what you're doing right now, sitting in church and hearing the word. It involves, like Knox was talking about, going to connect group and discussing the word and reading the word and studying the word together and, and hearing it maybe on a podcast, some of you, or listening to it online or whatever. It, it, the first dimension is me going to the word. And how many of you know that when you become a Christian, that is a discipline you need to develop in your life? That you can't just carry on doing life as you normally do life, but you have to have these moments where you stop and you open the Word. And you allow yourself to hear the Word, read the Word, study the Word, and, 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 and having a regular time with the Lord. Maybe it's a quiet time in the morning. Who does mornings? Who does evenings? You guys are all the crazy ones, all right? <laughs> I don't know how you do that. At the end of the day, I'm like, you ain't going to get anything out of me, you know? <laughs> Um, some people have sleep problems. I, I don't. I sleep miraculously through everything. I often have to ask my wife, what happened in the night? She's like, oh, there was an accident in the road, and Daniel had a temperature, and, you know, the, the dogs wouldn't stop barking, and there was a break in that, and I'm just like, oh, stuff happens, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you have to find a regular time where you, where you go to the Word. That's where you abide in it. You carve out that space, and, and I recommend turning the phone off, and I recommend getting rid of every other description, uh, distraction and, and maybe closing the door and, and just having time where you can abide in the Word. Distraction-free time. But then there's another dimension. I've done, I've done one part of abide. I've, I've come to the Word and I've dwelt in the Word and I've allowed the Word to wash over me, but then the next dimension is I need to take the Word with me as I then go into my day. And this is the part that challenges us, amen? It's like actually we've done really well at listening to and hearing the Word, but are we taking the Word with us, look at what Jesus says in those verses, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now the word has to abide in us as we go through our day. And the more we can synchronize those two dimensions of abide, the more we become a disciple of Jesus. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What is the definition of a disciple? A disciple is someone who is able to who discipline their life to go to the Word, but they take the Word with them, and then they start to live it, obey it, speak it, think it, share it, that it actually starts to mold and shape their lives. And sometimes there's this massive disconnect between the two, and what happens when there's a disconnect between the two, we have nominal Christianity. Do you know what nominal means? Little of no value. It means you're little of no value, nominal amount. It's, it, nominal Christianity is, is, is a Christianity where we're really good at hearing but never ever speaking. 
We're really good at like putting something on that's Christian, but we're not really good at then living it out and obeying it in our lives. Put the two together and you have the fullness of what abide is. I in the Word and the Word in me. So it's, it's, it's not enough just to know that the Word, like the Word tells us that we must never carry offense in our hearts. <laughs> you know, and what we have often is offense in our hearts. Someone's done something and now we're offended. But we can still go to church and connect and, and still like go to the Word. But is it now, I forgive you, <laughs> I release you, I bless you. Do, do you see the, the big difference? There's such a big difference between just hearing and, and actually then doing the Word. And we need to be not only hearers, but doers of the Word. Amen? Amen. So, so Jesus gives us the, the mark of a disciple, the dis- defining mark. And, and, this, and it's this, is that if you abide in my Word, if the Word abides in us and we are abiding in the Word, we are a disciple of Jesus. You know, it's quite easy to find today people who are Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. But are they a disciple? What is the difference? Abiding and the Word abiding in them. Okay, that is the difference. And we're going to be the difference. Amen? Yeah. All right. So then he says this. So he says, if you abide in my Word, you're my disciples indeed. And he carries on and he says, and you shall know the truth. How do we get truth? From abiding in the Word. If you abide in the Word, you will know the truth. Why is that? Why is it that when we go and we abide and we soak in the Word and we carry the Word in our hearts into our daily lives, that then we know the truth? It's because the Word is truth. (laughs) All right? If you look at John 17, verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 160 says this. The sum of your word, the the whole thing of your word is what? Is truth. All right, so people, I want you to understand that as Christians, we hold to the belief that the Bible is truth. It's the truth about God. It's the truth about life. It's the truth about you. It's the truth about what you should do with your life. It is the truth of life. And let me explain it to you a little bit more because at the end of the day, this is something that's fundamental that we all need to grasp. There are, in, in the world we live in, there are three universally accepted ways to finding truth. Three ways to find truth. Number one is through reason. Number two is through intuition. And thirdly, through revelation. Reason. Let's just start with reason. How will we know the truth? Oh, well, we will just, we'll just rationalize. We'll just reason our way. Eventually, we will discuss it. We will study it. We'll look at the situation from psychology. We'll look at it from this angle scientifically. And eventually, we will find out what the truth is. We'll do it through reason, through our brains. Our brains are good enough to help us find the path of life. The second one, intuition. Into what is intuition? Intuition is feelings. 
it's kind of emotions. It's like your perception is like, how do you know it's truth? Well, I just, it just feels right. <laughs> it just feels like truth. It feels like this is what I should do with my life. I just, I feel a click with this, you know, intuition. Revelation, revelation says, no, no, we're, we are unable to know truth with our reason and intuition. What we need is somebody to reveal truth to us. Where do we stand as Christians on this? We're standing at number three. We're at point three. We believe that truth comes by revelation. That we believe as Christians that we are fallen human beings and, our, and starting with our own minds and starting with our emotions will never lead us into the truth of life. You go ask the, many people today and, and ask them how they find truth in life. What will they normally do? They will go to reason or they'll go to their intuition, but they won't go to revelation. As Christians, what do we do? We go to revelation. That's where we start. And if my feelings don't align and my brain doesn't really understand, then I bring them into alignment with what revelation says. And I live my life by revelation, not by feelings or how I think about things. It's so important that we understand this this morning. If you go to most people in the world today and you say, hey, are you a good person? What are they going to do? Well, I reason. I pay my taxes. I don't kill, you know, I haven't killed. I don't really speed on the road. I, 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 you know, I took out the trash last week and I, you know, said hi to my neighbor and I'm generally a nice person at the office. I don't have any haters. So, yeah, I'm a good person. What did you do? You went to reason. Or some people, you say, hey, are you a good person? They'll just be like, yeah, I feel, I don't feel like a bad person. <laughs> so I'm going to intuition, so I'm a good person. Well, okay, great. Well, what does the word say about you being a good person? What does the word say? What does revelation say? It says that you're a sinner and that you need a savior and that you need to be born again if you want to escape death and hell and the judgment of God and enter into eternity with God. The revelation tells you something different to how you feel and think. And this should be the, def the defining factor between believers and non-believers is that we go to revelation. We go to truth. We look to revelation to find out our meaning for our life, for direction for our life. We don't go to our feelings and to our reason. Paul said this in Romans 7, 7. He said, apart from the law, revelation, I would not have known sin. If the law did not say, do not covet, I would not have known <laughs> that I shouldn't have done that. So what was he saying? He says that the, the word, the law was revelation. It showed me who I really am, that I'm a sinner and I need salvation, that I need a savior. But apart from that, without revelation, I never knew that. All right? Can you see how important it is that revelation is proclaimed in our generation? It's so important that all of us rise up and become connect group leaders and start to share revelation with people that we gather because it's revelation that ultimately is going to set them free and put them on their right road in life, not pop psychology, not what they think or not what they feel or what their cousin told them, but what the Word tells them. Amen? This is why in, in Nehemiah, where, you know, the Israelites, 
had been in bondage for 70 years. 70 years they're in bondage, right? Under Babylonian captivity, city destroyed. They move back now by the grace of God to Jerusalem. And they have this powerful moment as a nation where Ezra, the scribe, begins to share and, and share the word with Israel. And this was the first time many of these guys had heard revelation in their entire lives. They had been living in captivity. They've come back to a city that's destroyed. So for them, bondage is a very real thing. Slavery is a very real thing. Destruction is a very real thing. So, and here they are, like, at a turn. It's a new time. It's, it's a new day. It's a, wow, we're going to rebuild the city. We're gonna, and what's the first act that they do? They begin to read the Word. And what is their response as a people when they hear the revelation? For the first time, some of them have ever heard it in their lives. The Bible says that they wept with a great weeping. They wept. Why? Because they were like, they understood in that moment that apart from hearing that, bondage is their destiny. Apart from hearing the revelation, that in fact, if Israel, you look at their entire history, what is it? Is whenever they rejected revelation, they ended up in slavery. And it's the same for you and I today. The more we reject the word, the more we put the word aside, where the word stops leading us in our lives, the more we start to experience bondage in our lives. How many of you came into the kingdom and the first time you heard about Jesus or you heard about relationships like, you know, how to do dating right, how to do it God's way, you know? The first time you heard that kind of stuff, didn't you think like, oh, why didn't anybody tell me that? I remember sitting in a relationship series in this church on the campus like 17-something years ago and sitting there and going, why did somebody not tell me this information? This is good stuff. This, I could, you could have saved me a whole lot of pain and discomfort and bondage and brokenness if I had just heard revelation. Somebody had just shared that. And I don't know why I'm going after this this morning, but I just feel, guys, we need to share revelation. You've got the words of life. You don't realize the value of the word you carry. You already know so much. I'm scared. I don't know if I know enough. You know enough. Take the Bible and begin to share it, people. People's lives, futures, marriages, families are at stake without revelation. They are the blind leading the blind. They are lost without this. This word of truth is so valuable. Let us never, ever, ever become flippant with it. Let us never forget the type of life that Jesus saved us from. Let us never forget the bondage we were in. Like the Israelites, they forgot about the bondage of Egypt and they started you know, exploring beyond the, bond, the bounds of revelation and ended up in bondage again. Let us not become like that. Let's treasure the word. Amen? And this is not just for unsaved people. This is for you and I today as well. You know, sometimes we can, we can go, okay, yeah, they need revelation. <laughs> we need revelation. Amen? Why, Bill? Because sometimes we don't know the bondage we're in. Sometimes we don't know the dysfunction we're in. Sometimes we actually don't even know how off track we really are. We think we're totally fine if we don't have revelation. You know, in the Revelation chapter 3, it talks about the Laodicean church. And they were like, we're fine, we're cool, we're healthy. And he was like, no, 
You're naked, wretched, miserable, blind, and poor. And then he says these words to him, buy from me gold refined by fire, talking about the word, and come to me for ointment for your eyes. So something had happened to this church. There was a disconnect. They weren't seeing themselves as they were. Their intuition was leading them astray. But revelation had to come to them to show them their true condition. And Jesus says these interesting words to them. He says, buy from me ointment for your eyes and you'll see. And this is what revelation does. It anoints our eyes so that we can see exactly what type of husband I really am. Not the husband I think I am. (laughs) But exactly the type of citizen I am. Not the type of citizen I think I am or that I bluff you all in believing I am. How many of you know we can do this? Come on, am I alone this morning? We could do that. We could so bluff everybody, even ourselves. We so need revelation. We so need to hear the words of truth. And I know so many Christians who've been in church their entire lives, and one Sunday they'll hear the revelation of the kingdom. And it utterly sets them free. And they go out into their businesses and they start to build the kingdom of God with a new fire and a new purpose. Why? Because they got a revelation of the kingdom. And it translates in so many ways. Some people have been in bondage their entire lives to things they don't even think are bondage because they just think that's normal and that's the way I am. But when they hear about their authority in Christ, they suddenly realize, hang on, I don't think I have to tolerate this thing in my life anymore. I can go back in the authority of Christ and take dominion in my home over the spiritual climate that surrounds me and reject the depression of the enemy. I can reject these spirits of depression. I can come against these things because I have authority. Without the revelation of that authority, we remain in bondage to that thing. Can you just see how it's revelation that sets us free and revelation comes from abiding in the truth, which is revelation. It's the truth, the truth, the revelation of God's word that will set you free. Imagine if we don't catch the, 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 the revelation of discipleship. That actually this is not all this about me and my little comfort and my Jesus helping me with my needs. That actually there's a world to reach and there are thousands, millions of lost people and that we actually should be on a mission. And we should be out there doing something. Can you imagine that we arrive at heaven one day and we're like, and only then do we catch the revelation of discipleship. Only then do we realize, oh, hang on, this wasn't just about my little comfort and, you know, rubbing God like this genie bottle, you know, like he just provides all my needs, my needs, and it's also about like meeting my thing. But actually, no, it's about salvation of the world here. Like without that revelation, can, can you imagine Look at the scripture in Psalm 19. It says this. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving what? Light to the eyes. What does that mean, light to the eyes? The commands, the the revelation of God's word helps us to see correctly. We see ourselves correctly that actually, hey, you're not too thin, too young, too black, too white, too whatever. You're actually made by the hand of God, called for such a time as this, gifted with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to perform a specific purpose in this generation. That can set you free. That can do something in your life. That helps you to see you as you should be seeing yourself. Imagine you don't get that revelation. You're just walking around thinking you're not enough. truth 
will set you free. The commands of the Lord are radiant. They give light to the eyes. More to be desired they are they than gold. <clears throat> I, okay, I'm not even going to preach that. Just going to let that go. <laughs> Don't get stuck in materialism and chasing the next shiny thing. There's something way more important than gold, shiny stuff. It's this. It's this word of life. People, it's this word of life that the world needs. It's so much more valuable. I'm not going to preach it. Oh. <laughs> uh, where am I? Yay. Yay. Then much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. You're looking for satisfaction? It's in the word. There, you can keep chasing the endless pit of your flesh. It's an endless pit. The next movie, binge series, the next hamburger, the next, I don't know, feel-good moment, the next holiday, the next, it, it never satisfies, sweeter, it's not, the word is sweeter than a honeycomb, it'll leave you, it'll just leave you, just, 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 <laughs> just. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. What? By the word we are warned. Let me tell you something. It's good to get a warning. Hey? How many of you like, ever got a warning at work? Don't put up your hand. <laughs> Listen, when I was a lighty and I was used to work in like restaurants and bars and chef, like I, I was just, I was not a good worker, okay? I hadn't had revelation of what work is and that is worship unto God and do it with all your might, you know? I hadn't got that, so I was lazy and cut corners and stuff. And I remember getting a warning. Yo, that thing helped me. It's good to get a warning every now and then, hey? Can just set you on the right path, just like, you, okay. There are boundaries, there are you know, the, it's not just like, hey, free for all, like I'm sure Jesus is fine with all of us, you know, I just kind of live my life, me and my Jesus. Whew. Well, what about the word? Are you following that? Because last time I checked, it's like, Jesus is all about the word. <laughs> he's always using the word, speaking the word, guiding his disciples with the word. When he's on the road to Emmaus, what does he do? He picks up the word and he begins to explain, beginning with Moses and the prophets to them. You know, he's all about the word and upholding the word. So let's, let's not just think this is like we just, just in jail, we just cruise, okay? Right. So, and in keeping them, is a, there's a great reward. In keeping them, there is a great reward. Where are rewards? keeping the word. Keep the word. Keep the word, you'll find the rewards, now and in eternity. And this leads us to our phrase, and the truth shall set you free. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. Why? Because the word is truth. And then what does that truth do? It sets you free. That word, those, those words, will set you free, is actually just one Greek word, eleutheru, something like that. 
and it means to liberate or to exempt. To liberate means to take away some form of bondage, like you're a prisoner and it releases you from that. To exempt you means to take away something burdensome, like an obligation, a debt you can't pay, a standard you can't keep up to. And when you think about what Jesus did, that's exactly what he did. We were you know, in bondage to performing the law, and he just exempted us from that and said, I'll do that for you. He just set us free from the burden of the law by giving us grace and forgiveness. And not only that, he takes away our bondage takes away just the, 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 the bondage that we are in, that we're born in, that we grow up in, that surrounds us, the, like Nkhibi was saying, the wounds of our past, the, the things that people have said that have shaped us and hurt us and defined us, the, the, the situations that we've gone through that have been difficult and loss and grief and all of that and, and, the, and the depressions and the addictions and all of those things that result from that. Jesus comes to set us free from all of that, and he does it by bringing truth, which means this, it means this, it means that at all forms, all forms of bondage, whatever it is, psychological, emotional, physical, all forms of bondage, find a root in a lie that either we believe or a lie that has conditioned us to believe it as true. Lies are at the root of all bondage. Later in that chapter, Jesus talks about Satan being the father of lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. Lionism. <laughs> it's what he, it's who he is, what he does. And he's there in the beginning and he lied to Adam and Eve. And he says, oh, if you eat that, you won't die. What happened? They died. Liar. <laughs> And then he comes and he lies to you and says, you're not good enough. And then he lies to you and says that life is all about experiences and you just find your own way. And then he lies to you and says, yeah, you know what? You can have your own kind of Jesus, your own kind of faith. And then he lies and says, you know, you're, you're too old, too young, too thin, too black, too white, whatever it is, or something in between. And, and all these lies, whenever we accept them as truth, they then become a bondage. They, they become an inhibitor to us being all that God has called us to be. And let's not just think like, you know, that we're like, yeah, I don't have that problem because this is what the, those people said to Jesus. What do you mean set us free? We haven't, we're not free. We have never been in slavery. We're cool. We're fine. Brother, let's have a humble heart and say, Lord, allow your word to show me how I can be better me, <laughs> how I can actually be a better reflection of you in this world, rather let the word define us. And let's come with humility to the word of God. And let's accept the truth and be people who will embrace the truth and aggressively go after the lies in our lives. Those things that keep us in bondage, find what they are, define them, write them down. I did this, I did this process a number of years ago. I wrote down, what, what, are the, what is this bondage that I'm experiencing? Write it out, I believe it's all wrong. And then I took scripture and I began to write out scripture 
that was actually truth applying to that situation and then began to meditate and apply truth to my heart. And sometimes it's instant. Sometimes you get a revelation and you instantly set free. Sometimes, like in Clebe says, there's a process, there's a journey, there's, a, there's an uncovering, there's layers, there's, you know, but it's by abiding in the Word and the Word abiding in me and, and I'm picking it up and I, I keep confessing who I am in Christ that as those lies start to leave, we start to become free indeed, as Jesus said. General Wainwright was the highest ranking American prisoner of war in World War II, captured by the Japanese, put into concentration camps and tortured. And what's interesting about this story is that he was in prisoner, as a prisoner of war, um, even after the war had ended. <laughs> Why? Well, because his captors were lying to him. And one day in prison, he heard that actually the war was over and that they were victorious. And he was skin and bones, but he stood up in that prisoner of war camp and he just spoke to his guards and he said, hand me those keys. I'm now in charge here. And they surrendered. And he led a whole bunch of people with him into freedom because he heard truth. He heard truth. And many of us are like that. We come in, you know, into the kingdom and we've, we've been bound for so long by so many different lies and so many things about us. And, and then we hear truth that actually, no, Christ came to set us free from that, that I am a child of the Most High God that I am fearfully and wonderfully made in His image. And when we receive truth, we, we begin to rise up and start to take authority over those illegitimate <laughs> spirits of oppression that have been keeping us in bondage for so long. His story is often our story as well. And my encouragement to us today is let's embrace the truth. Let's be people of the truth. And you will experience the freedom that Christ promised. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.